The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Well, going forward, we've got some new outlooks. The latest from Ford this morning, a new range for 2023 adjusted earnings before interest, 10 billion to 10.5 billion. The previous range before suspending guidance, 11 to 12. We've got a lot to talk about. We can do that now with John Lawler, Ford CFO. Good morning, John. Good morning. Let's talk about it. Where is it? Where's my $10 billion buyback? Why a different approach from you and the team? Well, we have a great plan in our Ford Plus plan, and we're focused on investing in growth and profitability, and through that, rewarding our shareholders with a higher price, plus also paying out 40 to 50% of our free cash flow in dividends. And so we're investing in the business. We have three great segments that are growth segments. Ford Pro, our commercial business, margins in the mid-teens for us. That's very high in our industry. Profits are going to almost double this year, more than double this year, and we have a great opportunity with the moats we have to drive significant profitability. Costs are going up as well, so let's talk about the labor contract. $900 to the cost of each car off the back of that UAW contract. Now, just for our audience, because you're aware of these figures already, GM, who we spoke to yesterday, are at 575 I'm still trying to sit here and work out, how do we get from 575 at GM and $900 to the cost of each car at Ford. What is that about? Well, when you look at it, we're $500 to start in 2024, and that grows over time as wages increase. The biggest increase in this contract is gross wage increase. It's significant, over 25%. Um, and then our footprint in the U.S. is bigger than General Motors, but um, the rest of that, I'm not exactly sure why their number is that much lower than ours. That's something that we'd have to unpack with them. We know what we've done with this contract. We know what the start point is. It's 60 to 70 basis points on our income statement basis. And now what we need to do is we need to work on driving productivity and efficiencies and reducing the labor hours, the hours it takes to build a vehicle and reducing that cost. And that's what we're going to be focused on going forward. So it's going to be cost reductions rather Absolutely. than trying to raise prices for the end consumer. Is that right? Well, now you have to think about pricing differently in our industry because all segments aren't the same. There's different pricing power across the segments. That's why we feel that what we did in segmenting the business and having the transparency around that is important. If you look at the commercial business in pro, we believe there's still pent-up demand and pricing power there. However, in blue, in the more of the retail consumer segment, you're going to see prices come down. We've been consistent talking about that. Back in 13, 13.4% of disposable income to buy a vehicle went up to 157 in 2022. It's down to 14.5% roughly now. We see that coming back to 13.4% as you move through 2024. Well, when you talk about lower price points, I think about some of the Chinese car manufacturers and the production much more cheaply of electric vehicles in particular that are really making a competitive advantage. How do you compete with them, especially given the labor contracts and some of the other uh, working operating costs that you're dealing with? Yeah, it's a good point. And that's something that we're very focused on. Again, the segmentation, each segment is different. We've seen prices come down in the electric segment much quicker than we expected. And the reason for that 
that is that we're moving out of the early adopters who are willing to pay for higher prices. Early majority customers aren't. They're not willing to pay that premium. So we're seeing those come down and we expect them to equalize with gas prices. So it's all gonna be about cost and efficiency, capital efficiency, et cetera. We have to get more competitive on cost and that's what we're focused on in our second generation and third generation vehicles. What is happening with demand in the EVs? What is happening? Is this real pushback that changes your approach? I think what it is, is it's the adoption rate. It's flatter than what we had expected. The increase isn't as great. 50% up this year from a sales standpoint. So they're coming. It's going to be part of the industry. Eventually, we'll get to those higher growth rates. So we have to adjust our capital investment. We have to adjust our approach in the near term. That sounds like a change in execution, not strategy. Absolutely. It is a change in execution, not strategy. So let's talk about the numbers. You've pushed out $12 billion in EV-related investments. Should we expect to see a little bit more of that going on? Depends on the customer and the adoption rate and how that pushes out. If the adoption rate starts to grow faster, we'll increase our capital investments. Well, let's go through the guide. I've got two points. Sure. I want to see if these are still up to date. So you did expect half the sales to be electric vehicles by 2030. Still the case? Um, no, we think it's going to be less than that, given where the consumer adoption. How much less will it be, John? We haven't put a number on that yet. We're still looking at what that rate will be. I think we'll know more as we go through next year. Is it the same for margins on those EVs as well? Do you have to reassess how big those margins will be? Yeah, I think as the industry adjusts, you have to look at that. But we're targeting. We've set up our business structure, and we think the right target is around the 8% or high single digits. You said that you're very focused on trying to be competitive in the EV spice on price. Is that, and we asked about margin compression, and you're basically saying, we're going to see as we go on what the competitive landscape looks like. But how do you plan to reduce costs? Is it going to be with job cuts? Is it going to be with more automation? So when, yes, absolutely automation. That is going to be a key part of what we do. Now, when you look at this contract, it's also important to understand for us where the battery plants are. And the battery plants aren't part of the contract. And so that's important for vertical integration. Uh, and when you're talking about electric vehicles, battery and design is really important. And the efficiency of that battery and getting the smallest battery possible in. So that second generation design is going to be critical from a cost standpoint. And then overall for us as a company, we have work to do on our cost and quality. And we're focused on that. We've made significant progress over the last few years. We restructured international operations. We moved out of autonomous vehicles and pulled capital investment out of that, focused on L2. We have the best uh, driving system out there in Blue Cruise, according to consumer reports. So we're making the adjustments as we go. When you talk about automation, uh, and, and you, you know, there's a question around job cuts and how much this will reduce the overall number of workers who will have to uh, be employed to make cars. Is that what you foresee, that there is going to be a fewer team of professionals that are creating vehicles in, say, five years than today at the Ford plants? So in certain areas there may be, in other areas we see growth. The key is driving efficiency and productivity. So more coming out per unit of labor. It doesn't necessarily mean you take the labor out, that you get more productivity. That's what we need to drive towards. Let's finish on a delicate question. I ask this question a lot and I'd like to ask it directly of you. Is a Ford F-150 Lightning truck, which weighs about 6,000 pounds, really good for the environment? Because I struggle with the association between these heavy electrified trucks and climate change. 
What is the relationship? Are we kind of kidding ourselves here? I don't think so. I think that there's two things about the electric truck. One, it's moving into electric is important for the overall environment. That's true. But number two, you also have to think about the consumer and what that truck can do. It fills a niche that hadn't been out there. There are certain individuals that just will not drive an internal combustion vehicle. They never had access to a vehicle in the utility like a pickup truck. They now have that. Plus, for our commercial customers, it's a tool. It's a generator. They use it on the job site to power. Now you don't have gas generator sitting out there. Uh, it's electric. It's coming from the vehicle itself. So it is a good step forward in the environmental push and in, in reducing the CO2 footprint. That conversation will continue. It's good to hear from you. Great Thank to get you. an update on the numbers as well. Thank you, John. Thank Appreciate you. it. John Lord of the, the Ford CFO. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.